Wonderful stuff. So we're going to t- be turning in God's Word in just a moment. And uh, God is doing some amazing things in people's lives. And it's so good to see what he's up to, isn't it? Um, for the last few weeks, we've been looking at spiritual gifts. And uh, I'm just aware that this might be a topic which for some is really old hat. It's something that you've, you know all about. You're used to using them all. You're very familiar with them. And you might be thinking, oh, this is a little bit basic. Um, For others, you might be thinking, oh, this is really weird. What are these things? I've never heard of them before, never come across them before. Um, What's all that about? That feels quite uncomfortable or quite unusual. And still others might be uh, reconnecting with things that you've known about in the past but haven't been using recently or for a little while at least. And, And I think God's trying to work in all of us at this, through this season, we believe it's significant at this time, uh, to deal with kind of all those things really. For those who this is brand new, for, for some who you think, oh, well, I'm quite familiar with this, we want to provide a place of encouragement and, and kind of just spurring people on to say, go for it. And for others who maybe have not used something for a while that God has given you, a gift that God's given you, then maybe now's the time to, to have another look at it. Um, just to help get into this, particularly for those who might be thinking, oh, this is brand new and all a bit weird. Have you, have you ever bought or been given a weird gift? Now, now you know the kind of thing that I'm thinking of. Um, oh, Obi, can, we just, can you just click on the um, PowerPoint for me, on the slide? That's the one. Thank you. Lovely. Uh, there we go. Perfect. So you get catalogs through, or now you can get them on the internet. Particular companies set up just to provide gifts for people that are difficult to buy gifts for. And uh, you might be one of those people who's difficult to buy a gift for. Um, But this particular website I got that page from um, had categories of gifts. You could buy gifts for um, men, for women, for young men, for young women, and so on and so forth. Then you could buy gifts for much more specific, much more granular level of kind of breakdown of the, the awkward neighbor. Or There's all sorts of things you could buy gifts for. And, and, and you, know, you kind of get things that you'd never normally think, oh, I must have one of. You know, when, you, when you're hungry, you think, well, I want some food. When you want to get dressed, you need some clothes. Just occasionally doing stuff around the house, you think, oh, I, I need one of so-and-so. There's items that you get given or that you buy for others that you, you n- never fall into that category. Um, one of the items you might notice on here on the far right is the back end of a dog. It, it's described, in case you, you won't be able to see the text, it's described as a digging dog garment, garden ornament. So this, in ca- this is in case you would like to have in your garden the back end of a dog sticking out of a hole. <laughs> now, I think it looks quite good for playing hoopla with or something, but, um, but I can't see any other use for spending $29.99 on the back end of a dog to go in the garden, personally. Now, but somebody, somebody's designed that. Some, somebody went probably to the university course and learned how to design stuff and, and has put that together. Somebody else, it's gone to the marketing department, it's gone through different departments, someone signed it off, they've sent it off for manufacture, and, and you can order yourself a digging dog garden ornament. Um, our family have a bit of a thing for weird gifts. Um, I blame my mother-in-law, um, who probably won't be listening, so I think I can get away with saying that. And uh, for years, she, she's lovely, but she has decided to, that it's a wonderful thing to do to buy us little gifts. Not, not huge gifts, but little things to wrap up, because she likes giving us things to wrap up. Little gifts that we can unwrap, that we go, oh, thank you very much, that's very kind. Except she tends to buy the most unusual items. 
Um, not, not that bad. Um, I must say, she's much better than that. But little things that you just think, oh, great. I, I, I'm beginning, to, I'm going to call them my manna presents. Because in the, in the Bible, in the uh, Exodus story, when the Israelites are coming out of, coming out of Egypt, uh, they, they had nothing to eat and God provided them manna in the desert. And, and they went out in the morning and there was, there was food like kind of, uh, like crackers, I suppose, on the ground almost, and they collected it in and they could eat it. But the word manna means, what is it? Because they didn't know what it is. And, and that's my response on opening a present from my mother-in-law. It's like, thank you very, thank you very much. Forced smile. It's lovely. What is it? And uh, this year, our kids caught on on the act, and they've started buying really weird presents too, and it really frustrates me, because you think, what a waste of money. Could have bought me something I wanted. And what was the worst one we got? A carrot something, wasn't it, this year? One of the kids got you some bizarre presents, didn't they? But anyway, there we go. Watermelon peelers, or, you know, those sort of things, that you just think, what on earth is that all about? But I admit I had to repent this year when actually I opened a present at Christmas a year ago and thought, what is it? Thanks a lot. Put it in a drawer. And I found myself just a couple of months ago and go, oh, I need to pull that out. That would be really useful. And on the left here are these little magnetic clips. And I got one of those sets. And they're just like bookmarks. They're just clever bookmarks, really. And you, you just put them in a book and you can have multiple ones in a book. Now, a bookmark would do, but these things work particularly well. So well done, mother-in-law. She bought me a gift that actually I'm wanting to find and actually I borrowed someone else's because we were going to throw some out and I've kept theirs as well because they're actually useful. And I suppose the point of this is that when you can't see a use for something or when it seems a little bit weird, at times there's a better plan and maybe the things, the spiritual gifts that we've thought are a bit weird or a bit unusual, actually there is a plan for God giving them to us and there is a reason why God has because he loves us. And sometimes when you open a gift and you think, what's the point of that? You forget the fact that it's been bought with love and compassion and kindness. Somebody wants you to enjoy it. They're thinking of you when they buy it. And I, want to st- I hope we can see today that God loves us so much that he's given spiritual gifts to the church for us to have. He's given them to build people up. He's given them all this left of gifts we've been looking at. He's given them to build people up. He's given them to, to equip the church, to make people stronger because he knows us. He loves us. And he's got us the things that we exactly need. So I want to help today. If you felt weirded out by some of this list as we've been talking through, God is in charge. He knows what you need. And he's giving us gifts that are perfect just for us. There's another image I think might be helpful as well, um, which is uh, the image of a toolbox. And... uh, just became aware, I suppose, preparing for this, but just reminiscing back to my childhood, that when you're younger, you don't really notice things getting fixed around you. If something breaks or if something needs doing, um, it just happens somehow. It's a little bit like perhaps the, the washing, where you, you, know, you, you might have to put your clothes in a particular bin in a particular room, and, and amazingly, they just end up back in the wardrobe again. And you think, well, how did that happen? In fact, you know, you don't even think that, do you? It's just a part of life. You arrive at a dinner table and there's food set out for you. And it's only when you live on your own, you suddenly realize that things don't magically happen. That you have to get on and do them yourself. Uh, And hopefully you learned that as you were growing up too. But in a toolbox, um, when you actually get around to to having your own place or living on your own, you suddenly start needing things that you hadn't thought of needing before. And maybe you don't have the tools to hand. 
So it's perfectly possible that all you've got is a screwdriver in a drawer somewhere and you need to bang a nail in to put a picture up. And you think, well, okay, I'll use the back end of that. And you can hammer in a, a nail with the back end of a screwdriver. Or the front. Many of us will have done that sort of thing because you didn't have the right tool to hand and you've made the best of what you've got. You've done what you can with what's there and you think, well, that's fine. But there are better ways of doing things. There is a whole toolbox of tools that could be available if only you, you, you wanted them. And I think perhaps for some of us, it's a, it's a little, when it comes to spiritual gifts, it's a little bit like we've got a toolbox that God's given to us and we're familiar with the top layer. I'm not quite sure what's on that one. It looks like some clips and some ties and a few electrical connectors, um, but, but no real tools in there that might be useful. But it's like we're familiar with the top layer of what we, we've, we've got used to looking at that we know God's given us to do, but there's a whole load of other resources probably underneath. And I think God's saying to some of us, it's time to open up the toolbox and have a look and see what else God's giving us. Because what we've become familiar with actually is okay, but God wants us to work at a different level, to dig a bit deeper and to, uh, to open the next layer and see what's there. As you progress in using different tools and as you get more specialized, I've chatted to tradesmen and uh, people who uh, work in all sorts of different fields who, who need different tools and bits of equipment. There's specialist pieces that I look at and say, what's that? And they say, well, I, this does this specific tiny task and I wouldn't be without it because it saves me this amount of time. And you get tradesmen who buy better and better quality tools, much better than I would ever buy, because mine get used occasionally and theirs get used every day. And they use specific tools and better tools because they need them to do a particular task. For many years, I've resisted buying electric screwdrivers and that sort of thing, but have found through uh, much, many blisters that actually it's quite a nice thing to put a screwdriver bit in a drill when you've got lots of screws to put in, in something and just use power tools to get jobs done that you might have done by hand otherwise. And for some of us, hearing about spiritual gifts is a bit like God saying, okay, you've been using a screwdriver, now here's a power drill. Uh, here's the, the difference and here's what I want you to use. And so some of these things, hopefully, as we've been looking through this series, um, will become fresh to us and new to us as we're here. Today I want to look at three particular gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that have been given by God to the church for us to be built up, not as an organization, but so that individuals can grow, so that individuals can be built up and encouraged and edified. Uh, and uh, these are the three we're looking at, word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, and discernment. These are revelation gifts. These are gifts that make things known that might not otherwise be known. And they, they might seem weird, but actually they're really quite natural and quite possibly you've been using them already. This is the Bible passage that we're basing, uh, one of the Bible passages we're basing some of this teaching on. And uh, I'm just going to read out this, these edited verses. I've edited them only to take out the other gifts that we're not looking at today. It says this, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Holy Spirit, to another distinguishing between spirits. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This is God who's given gifts to the church to build us up. Spiritual gifts, not our natural abilities. And so firstly, the word of wisdom. Now, I'm, I'm, I know I've put three together. They're a little bit unusual, but hopefully they'll, it'll all make sense by the end. What is the word of wisdom? This is a supernaturally given wisdom for specific circumstances. Not your normal intelligence, not normal intuition, not common sense, but a, a revelation from God 
for wisdom for a particular circumstance. I read a quote in preparing this, and somebody wrote this. It is an impression, a thought, a mental picture, or a still small voice of the Holy Spirit showing what to do or how to deal with a specific situation. It's wisdom about that one matter at that one time. One of the classic examples of this kind of wisdom being given, and it's not a spiritual gift in the same way we're talking about today, but it's akin to that, is when Solomon, King Solomon, has asked, uh, been asked by God, what do you want? And he said, well, I want to be wise. I want wisdom to be able to govern your people well. And God said, okay, you can be wise then. And little by little, Solomon has uh, occasions to need that wisdom. Uh, whether that's political alliances or, or um, uh, issues in the country. But there's one particular time when the Bible tells us that two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Now, you'd imagine that King Solomon had a fair amount to do in his day, day-to-day diary. you imagine that his to-do list was quite long and his planner was quite full. But he's obviously got time as this man of wisdom to deal with issues between people who've fallen out. And the issue here is that uh, one of the, both of these women have had babies and they live in the same house, and one of their babies has died. And there's, there's a, an accusation that there's been a baby swap going on, and so the mother of the baby that died has swapped the living baby with her dead baby, and now she's got a living baby. And that's the dilemma. And Solomon, and many of you know the story, Solomon, in this situation, is asked for his opinion to try and settle the debate. And so he in his wisdom, in his God-given wisdom, says, okay, bring, bring the child to me, uh, the living child to me. What I suggest is that we chop the child in half and give half each. Then it's fair. And you've both got half a child. Now, at that point, one woman cries out and says, no, 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 let the other woman have the baby. Let her have the baby. It's okay. Don't chop the child in half. Solomon, of course, then responds and gives the woman who's cried out the baby. He says, well, it's obviously yours because you were prepared to let the other woman have it. And uh, that's how the argument settled. So a nice little story there that settled a, a dispute. Jesus, we see, using all the spiritual gifts, or certainly almost all of them, I've said before, probably not tongues and interpretation as far as we're aware in recorded scripture, but we don't know. But he certainly uses all the others. And we see an occasion where, many occasions where Jesus, too, needs to use the gift of the Spirit. There's an occasion where um, he has some leaders sending Pharisees to trap Jesus. And they say to him, look, tell us what's right. Should we pay taxes or not? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or should we not? And it's a, it's a classic trap. Uh, the, the people of Israel are subjected under Roman rule and they don't like it. It's oppressive. It's, it's harsh. And it, it just hits against this sense that they're the children of God. And actually, they're living under a foreign oppressor. They should be in charge of their own actions. They should be in charge of their own land, and they can't be. And Jesus is in this dilemma. And if he says, well, of course you should pay your taxes, then all the Jewish people, certainly a large part of them, will be very upset and uh, will be, just think that he's a traitor. If he says, don't pay your taxes, then he's going to get in trouble with Rome and the Roman authorities. And again, he's stuck like Solomon was in this quandary. There's no way out. I can't say pay your taxes. I can't say don't pay your taxes. And so he says, bring me a coin. And he gets a coin and he holds it out. And he says, whose picture and title are stamped on it? 
Caesar's, they say. So Jesus' response is, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And suddenly you see the people going away, scratching their heads, going, we thought we'd given him an impossible situation. We thought we'd given him one he couldn't get out of and he, oh, he just knew what to do. One more is, the, is, is a woman who's caught in the act of adultery and, and for some reason the woman only, not the man she was having a, committing adultery with, are brought, is brought before Jesus. That might be a sign of the times, it might be whatever, we don't know. But she's brought before Jesus and, um, and people are wanting to stone her to death to fulfill the Old Testament law. And again, the question comes, what do we do? And as we know, Jesus bent down and just doodled in the sand or wrote something in the dust. And he says to them, he who's without sin should cast the first stone. And that was before he doodled in the dust. And then he just waits and lets them drop their rocks, the oldest first, then the youngest, and then they walk away. Incredible wisdom in difficult situations. And a word of wisdom can open up uh, what to do next, how to move forward, how to remove a, a blockage that's spiritual or practical. Uh, now, where do these come? Occasionally, they'll come in your own prayer time. I, I found that, that occasionally I'm praying into a particularly different, difficult situation. And, and it'll be just like, a new, for me, it's, it's not anything visual normally. It's just a new thought that comes that's not my normal way of thinking. It's not the kind of, I've been looking at two options or three options. And, and it's as if there's something fresh that comes in that unlocks the situation completely. And it's a word from God in that moment. You might feel it very differently. You might feel it um, like, like a picture. You might see something. But whatever it is, it will be around how to resolve a situation, avoid a danger, speak the right word, or just come unstuck in a particular difficult situation. If you want wisdom, the Bible promises us that we should ask. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask. And God will give it. I think that's a more general wisdom, not specifically the spiritual gifts, but I want to use that as an encouragement to say, look, if we need wisdom, let's just ask God and he'll give it. I tell you, this is needed today, this spiritual gift. How many of you wish that today uh, members of our government had the gift of wisdom? And that's not decrying them. They've got a difficult job, haven't they? Um, but wouldn't you just pray that somebody there would, would be having the spiritual gift of wisdom that when there's... Do we, Sorry to, sorry to swear in church, but do we Brexit or not Brexit? You know, what do we do and how do you resolve this quandary? And, you know, it's just like an impossible divide. Don't we just need the wisdom of God in the situation? Not for the yes-no answer, but to work out how to navigate through and what to do. Keep praying for our leaders. Keep praying that they might know the voice of God and the mind of God and the wisdom of God in that situation. How many in, in workplace, in your work situations, where all your colleagues are stuck, wouldn't it be great to be the one who maybe takes yourself off for a minute and you say, God, we need your help. The project's coming off the rails. This issue's coming stuck and we just need your help. God, would you help us with this issue? What do we do? And as you do that, as you, you set your heart to, to seek God, God speaks a word in your workplace. And you go back, not to get the glory for yourself, but you go, you just say, have you tried this? Why don't we try it this way round? And, and God will allow you in your workplace to be a catalyst for positive change as, as he speaks through you to make a difference. God's not only interested in what happens in church, he's interested in what happens in the whole of our lives as we serve him. 
Just remember as you speak out, as you believe that God's speaking, you're, you're not God, only he is. Just remember that you may be mistaken. It might just be your own instinct. Uh, and as with prophecy, it, it, it's, it needs weighing and testing and just, just holding before God. And don't be too disappointed if you, you share your words of wisdom, you share God's revelation to you and it's not taken up. Your job is to deliver it, not to force compliance with it. Word of knowledge. This is supernatural revelation about or information or impression that could not be known naturally. This is something God drops into your heart, information uh, that you couldn't have known otherwise. Um, as with all the gifts, this, this is given to build people up and encourage a greater response to God, greater faith, greater trust in him. One of the occasions we see this in Jesus' ministry is in John chapter 4 when he's, he's at a well and uh, a woman is there with him and he asks her for a drink of water and a conversation goes on um, around the water initially and then uh, as a result of a conversation happening about all sorts of things, Jesus just says one uh, simple thing. He says, um, go and get your husband. She says, I have no husband. And he then says, you're right. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. That's the evidence of a word of knowledge in being exercised at that point. He had supernatural information that he wouldn't have known otherwise unless God had dropped it into his mind and his heart. Jesus isn't the only one where we see this happening. We see it again through the New Testament. Uh, we see it with, with uh, some of the apostles using this gift in the book of Acts as they're serving God in the church and as they, they've got different and difficult situations to deal with at times. Uh, and God gives them revelation about specific things that are taking place. When there's, I'm just finding a verse here, here we go. Uh, in So Ananias is praying one day and God says to him, go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. And I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. This is Ananias, the God-following man, being told to go and pray for Saul, who at this point has been persecuting the Christians and has just had a radical encounter with Jesus. And, and Ananias, as he's praying, is given a revelation from God with a specific direction, uh, information about Paul that he couldn't have known otherwise. How does this feel when you're, you're kind of using this gift? Well, some people talk about it being a spontaneous picture. They actually see something visual. Other people talk about having an impression or a flow of thoughts or seeing words or having a dream or a vision. Uh, some, when it's around issues of healing, uh, may have a particular sensation in their body that they didn't have before. And you, you're, you, you might be praying with someone or you might be in a church service and suddenly you've got a pain in a part of your body and you think that's a bit odd that wasn't there before and for some that may be that God's giving a, a sense of a word of knowledge that someone in the room is sick in that part of their body and needs healing um, it's all sorts of different ways that God can show you give you revelation and just being in tune with what God's saying is really helpful as we as we do this it tends to be for me that as I it tends to be mostly for me as I'm praying for people uh, when I don't know what to pray about, and I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to do in this person's life? And it doesn't come out as information so much as it comes out as, okay, God will just drop a word in my heart, and we'll, we'll then pray into a particular area. 
and I'll, I'll pray along with that and just trust that what I've given, uh, how I've prayed is, is being led by the Holy Spirit in that way. Last week, as I said, we had um, people responding in prayer and being prayed for. And I bumped in, I had a conversation with someone who had been prayed for. And spontaneously, they said, uh, two people I didn't know came and prayed for me on Sunday. And they had a, a, a picture for me, that, kind of a visual image that was absolutely spot on. It was from God, and it just spoke to my situation and my heart. And they couldn't have known me because they didn't know me. That was exciting. On Wednesday, I was stood at the back chatting to Giles, uh, watching the band practicing here. Uh, and a couple of people were praying for Ross, um, who was leading worship. And uh, one of them stopped and after praying a little bit said, um, migraines, God wants to do something with migraines for you. And, uh, and I want to pray into that. Now, they didn't know that he suffered with migraines. And so you saw Ross, I, saw, I could see from the front, I saw Ross's face light up and he went, oh, that's interesting. How did you know? I turned around and said, I do suffer from migraines. And I have done. And so they were able to pray then. Um, these, these words happen quite naturally. And they may be happening to you already when you're praying for somebody that God can drop something into your heart on how to pray. So let's use these more. Let's be open to God speaking more and more to us. That he can speak clearly and openly. That we can respond to what he wants to do. When you are praying... Uh, and you, you maybe see or you hear or you sense something, uh, and, and you're not sure, uh, particularly if it's a revelation about something, it's always wise to ask the person you're with if it's in a prayer situation, I've got this thought or I've had this impression, does this mean anything to you? Or what might this mean to you? And you're actually just inviting someone into the conversation then. You then also need to just be aware, is this something for prayer only? Is this something that needs to be shared with maybe a member of the leadership team? Is it private information God's given me um, how can I and also to just think how can I give this word so that someone else can receive it well the simplest way as I've said is to say to someone does this mean anything to you or what does this mean to you what if you get it wrong this is often the thing I think that stops us lifting up the lid of the toolbox and saying I'm going to try that one not tried it before what if I get it wrong we had some dear friends of ours uh, with us last, for the last couple of weeks, um, uh, Dom and Elisa, who were back from America visiting and uh, just chatting with them uh, one evening. Elisa was talking about this very thing in their own church in America, in Fresno, California, and sharing about how somebody had one meeting. They've got a culture in their church where it's okay to share and have a go. Somebody, one meeting, had come and stood and said, I, I think I've got a word for this physical condition um, and in the end, nobody responded. And the response, I think publicly, was, that's okay. Um, we'll, have a, we'll try again next week. It's fine. We'll have another opportunity. What's the worst that can happen when it's something like that? You've tried, you've stepped out, you've trusted God. And said, I think, I think God might be speaking, and I, I think he might be saying this, but it might just be me. If that's you, let's respond. And that just unlocks the situation for people because they're free to share and they're free to trust and free to have a go and free to say, I think God's saying this without needing to, to say, well, I, I, I can't say it if it's not absolutely true. You won't know till you've tried. So my encouragement is to try, but do it openly, without fear, without worry about A, what people will think, or B, Trying to dress it up and pretend that it's something it's not. If you've got a sense that God's speaking, share it as that and say, I think God might be saying, what do you think? 
Thirdly, discernment. And this ties into um, both those kind of words I've shared about how you weigh them. Also refers to weighing up prophetic words. It also relates to um, other things which are more kind of obviously spiritual in nature. This is discernment or distinguishing between spirits. This is a supernaturally given revelation of spiritual sources of actions and activities. It's what we use to determine whether it's God at work or not God at work. It's the gift that we use to determine um, whether a prophetic word is from the Lord for right now, whether it's for another situation or what we do. And that's part of this uh, gift of discernment of spirits as well. We see this in Jesus' ministry several times. And I've just got uh, one illustration here from Jesus' ministry. It's John chapter, sorry, uh, Luke chapter 13. And in the Gospels here, we see that Jesus is in a situation where one day he's in the temple, sorry, in a synagogue, and he sees a woman who's been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. He touched her and instantly she could stand up straight and she praised God. The leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day. And they have a little discussion about that. Um, and Jesus challenges them. But the, the, the verse that I wanted to draw your attention to is verse 16. It says, This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she's released even on the Sabbath? The key thing is this, that Jesus saw this woman bent double. She's in a great deal of pain. And for some reason, because of this gift of discernment, he's able to see that actually it's not just a back problem, that there's something spiritual at work, and he sets her free in that context. Another illustration also relating to healing is Acts chapter 14, where uh, Peter, Paul is preaching. Paul's preaching in Acts chapter 14, verses 8 onwards, and they're preaching and, and it says this, there's a man who's been crippled, he's got crippled feet and he's been that way from birth and he's never walked. As he was sitting and listening and as Paul preached, uh, looking straight at him, Paul realized that he had faith to be healed. And so Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. And now I tell you, when you look out on a group of people, um, there's all sorts of things going on and going through your mind as you look out and you try and gauge responses. But this isn't just an ordinary human response Paul's looking at. This is something where God has dropped into his heart that there's faith in this man's life to be healed. And he responds in that way. Gift of discernment being used there. There's one time as well. This is a, another, the last illustration I've got for this one because I think it's quite a helpful one as well. And uh, Paul again is, is off preaching and he's going down to a place of prayer and he meets a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. And, and the Bible tells the story of how she followed Paul and the rest, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Now, now the actual statement she's making sounds great, doesn't it? These men are servants of the Most High God and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Most evangelists today would want a crowd of people calling that out behind them. Because you'd think that would inspire people to, 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 to listen to the message. Paul waits and this carries on for a little bit. And then eventually he deals with it and he names what's going on. And he says, he recognizes this, this girl's got a, this, this spirit affecting her. And he sets her free and she's healed. And free. 
and it's wonderful. This gift of discernment always values the person that is being discerned, if you like, or the spirits that are, spiritual forces that are being discerned. It never devalues the person. If it's a prophetic word that's shared that perhaps isn't for, for now or isn't right, or just in, in that sense, it, it, it's important that it's always dis- valued, that the person's valued. It can be really badly done, but we want to honor and love. When it's, in this situation, an evil spirit that's at work in someone's life, what Paul does here, he honors the person involved. And so she is always whole, she's by the end of it, whole and healed. And there's no judgment on her in any of these situations where, there's, where Jesus casts out evil spirits for people. He never judges them. He always encourages them and loves them and values them. And they're always set free. So discernment is like all the other gifts. It's used in love. So Paul writes 1 Corinthians 13 in the middle of these two chapters about the gifts of the Spirit and emphasizes love again and again. Always with love. How do we get this sense of discernment? Well, often again, it's a sense that it's a clear word from God, that something of revelation, that something's different to what it may be looked like with your open eyes. This is not just something you're observing. This is not something you can teach where you've got a list of things to look for. Because actually there can be two people's behaviors that look the same but are actually very different. And God's blessing one and not blessing another. You can't just tell by by what's happening on the outside necessarily. I was reading in my my Bible reading recently and uh, came across the story of uh, Naaman who's healed by the prophet in the Old Testament by Elisha. And uh, the story goes on as Naaman is healed. And I'd, I'd not so much noticed this bit uh, in recent years reading this through, but it came fresh to me, maybe because I was thinking about this word. Um, but Naaman goes to Elisha and says, would you please uh, forgive me or allow God to forgive me, have mercy on me, because Naaman serves a master, and the master's going to go into a temple, not for God, uh, for a false god, and Naaman's going to have to support his master as they go into the temple, and Naaman's going to need to bow in the temple. And Naaman asks permission uh, to say, would, would you, would, however, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple, uh, may the Lord pardon me, please, too, when I bow also. And Elisha says, go in peace. Now, if you were observing that situation the week before and the week after, you wouldn't notice any different. The behavior would be the same, and we would look on and go, Naaman is an evil man because he's bowing in the presence of this false god. But something's happened in Naaman's heart. And and so the external activities are the same, but something has changed. And so I'm just saying this to just place a little bit of a warning in that we don't start judging people by what we see. We need a spirit of discernment and the gift of discernment so we can see what God is doing and whether an activity is of of God or of not. The gift of discernment of spirits is not cynicism or suspicion dressed up as spirituality. It's not trying to control or to limit or to discredit or to try and assign motives to people. We have to always keep a good attitude in all of these things. So what next? I'm going to wrap up. What next? Well, we're nearly there. We've nearly covered all the gifts apart from one little block, which is a, it is a block together uh, of ministry gifts that are given to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. 
But the issue and the idea was not to just run through a list and explain them a little bit more. The, the idea, I, my hope and my prayer and my dream is that we might fan into flame an excitement about God at work. We might fan into flame an expectation that, that God wants to speak today. That he wants to use us today, that actually, whether it's discerning of spirit so you can walk into a situation where it looks okay, but you can see, because God's given you revelation that there's something wrong, and you need to pray into it. Whether it's a word of wisdom, that you're in a situation where you're stuck, and other people are stuck, and God can give you the revelation to see how to unloose it. Whether it's a word of knowledge that can, can again lead to release, that actually we're praying, and we're expecting, and we're longing for God to speak. Not just to somebody else, but to us. Simply put, I pray that we might ask and expect and listen and trust and try. Ask and expect and listen and trust and try. We are going to look in a couple of weeks' time at how to identify your own gifting, how to grow in gifting. Um, But my prayer today would be that in these three, we say, God, would you speak to us clearly? Would you use this? It may be that there are people in the room who um, God is going to give a word to today and you're going to deliver that today. Louise, can you come up on stage? We're going to uh, move to a closing this time. What, what I'm going to ask now is not to big anyone up or to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but simply to help us identify how God is at work. Ask one simple question. And the question is this, how many people in this room have previously been used by God in, you've, and God's spoken to you and given you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or you've been able to discern uh, gifts of, uh, discern spirits, discern spiritually. How many people have had a word of wisdom, word of knowledge or gift of discernment? Would you put your hand up please? And put it up high. So turn around. If you want someone to pray with you, there's a lot of hands up. If you want someone to pray with you, then maybe you could go to one of these people uh, to pray with them that God would give them a word for you. You put your hands down. Thank you. Can we pray, Lord, more? Lord, do it again. Lord, stir us up again. And maybe, like me, you can take the lid off the toolbox and go down to another level and say, I've not used that tool before. God, would you show me what to do and help me try? Father, we pray that you would have your way in this church, but not just in the church, in our lives too. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you've given gifts to the church. And they're not weird, they're wonderful. They might have seemed unusual many years ago, but actually they are the key to breakthrough. They are the only tools you've given us beyond our natural abilities, which also come from you, to see your kingdom come in power in people's lives. And Lord, we recognize that so often in our lives we carry on just doing the day-to-day, just doing the ordinary. And, the, uh, and, and Lord, our faithfulness is, is wonderful. You love our faithfulness. But you are calling us in this time and in this season to try something new and to trust you as we identify gifts in our own lives that you've given us. And so we say, God, would you use this again? God, would you speak again? Father, I pray in this place, as we go to coffee and uh, refreshments in a bit, that there might be deeper conversations taking place, that we would dare to pray for one another, 
that we dare to trust, that we dare to give a word and say, I believe God's saying this into your situation. Lord, would you bring breakthrough in this place, in our lives, in Jesus' name. And would you use us to unlock situations which have been locked up in people's hearts and minds because we want to see the kingdom come. Amen. Amen. My encouragement would be that as you share together in a moment, as we sing a song, that you're ready, you're preparing your heart to listen and see what God would say. Maybe there's somebody sat alongside you that you need to share a word with. Maybe God wants to just drop a word into your situation, into your life, and you're saying, God, I need you. Let's proactively seek God and speak. As I shoot off to the other side, this, we're going to receive our offering as we sing this last uh, song together. And uh, let's worship Jesus boldly and with great confidence that he loves us. Amen. Thank you.